From the MGMA in-home studios, welcome to the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams. The take-home point I would definitely want to give your listeners is that it is 95% effective and almost 100% safe. We have something like 29 serious side effects out of think um, many, many millions of doses. So it's a very low percentage of serious side effects. There's a high percentage of mild side effects, but I would say that a sore arm or feeling tired is a really small price to pay for avoiding COVID-19 infection. That's Dr. Rich Parker talking about the importance that vaccines can play in the fight against COVID-19. We'll hear more from Dr. Parker on vaccines and vaccination strategies. But first, a word from our sponsors. Spend more time doing what you love, caring for patients, and less time on clinical documentation. Nuance Dragon Ambient Experience, or DAX, captures the patient story securely and accurately to automatically document at the point of care for increased efficiency in patient throughput. Discover how DAX provides a better patient experience and eliminates afterward documentation. Visit nuance.com DAX to sign up for a live stream demo and explore how DAX, Nuance's ambient clinical intelligence solution can transform your organization. The journey from the new normal of 2020 to the next level in 2021 begins with measuring your progress and identifying opportunities for improvement. MGMA's new medical practice evaluation tool is a comprehensive web-based assessment built around MGMA's practice data and body of knowledge. Upon completion, practice leaders are given an evaluation score with actionable insights on how their organization measures against top performing practices across different specialties. 2021 is the year to round out your learning and put MGMA's insights into practice. Visit mgma.com MPET for more information. Our guest today is Dr. Rich Parker, Chief Medical Officer of Arcadia. Dr. Parker is here today to explain why he believes the effort to achieve COVID-19 herd immunity through vaccination is the single greatest patient engagement challenge of our lives. Dr. Parker, thanks so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Now, you're Chief Medical Officer at Arcadia Give us an idea where your primary focus has been as CMO during this last year. I mean, we've had a very difficult year. It's been a very unique year and want to get an idea from you about what, what's been going on in your world. Sure. Certainly with the onset of COVID, we've been really focused on public health outreach, trying to assist our customers with their hundreds of thousands of patients and COVID has really been top of mind. So I'd say definitely a big public health outreach. Okay, thanks for that. Now in an earlier correspondence, you said that 
the effort to achieve COVID-19 herd immunity through vaccination may be the single greatest patient engagement challenge of our lives. It's all top of mind to all of us as we're waiting in line to, you know, get that vaccine at some point. But give us some context of why you believe that, because you've you've seen a lot of things in your medical <laughs> career. So give us an idea where we are with that and where we are in the goal to reach herd immunity. Sure. So just taking a little bit of a historical perspective, the world has dealt with infectious epidemics and pandemics since the beginning of time. But it's really only in the last, well, since the end of the 18th century that we've had vaccines. And um, Dr. Jenner developed the smallpox vaccine in 1795. And in fact, in India and in China, they've been using smallpox vaccines back as early as the 1500s and maybe even earlier. And now we have about 27 vaccines. So people forget about vaccines, but vaccines have been in development for uh, well over 100 years, and they are our best tool to fight this pandemic. Um, so I am excited about the science. I'm excited about people's ability to get it. I'm really excited about how both safe and effective this vaccine is. Mm -hmm. Now, we all know that there are several challenges to hitting some of the goals. These are very in some cases, aggressive goals to get to this herd immunity. So let's break down a few of them individually. First of all, let's talk about the manufacturing side of it. What we know that some vaccines are online right now. My parents, in fact, have got their first dose of one of the vaccines on January 12th. So we know people are uh, getting that. What, where are we with that as far as just making enough of them? Is, where where are we right now with that? Right. So we have a supply challenge and we have a distribution challenge. Right. So let me just kind of paint the big picture. So the United States has 330 million people, give or take. Right now, as of today, about 5.8% of the population has received one shot and 1% of the population has received two shots. So... We know that if we have to get to about 80% of the population having either had the vaccine or had the infection to give us herd immunity, um, you know, we can do the math. That's going to be 264 million people that need to be vaccinated or infected naturally. And if we're going at a million shots a day, that's going to be 264 days. That's going to be almost nine months. So we're really not going fast enough um, to, if we want to get this thing over with by next summer, we've got to really speed it up. I think the good news is the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, hopefully we'll get approval in the next few weeks to add to the Pfizer and Moderna. So the, so the supply of vaccines is going to ramp up. And I think now with a better federal response um, and states and counties getting on it with public health, I think we're going to go faster. Mm hmm. Based on your research, is it a bigger problem of uh, manufacturing the vaccine right now or the distribution, actually getting it out and getting the people set up and giving them the shots? Which is the bigger challenge right now? Right now, it's actually distribution. There's a lot of vaccine that's sitting out there in freezers 
um, ready to go, um, but people haven't figured out locally how to give it. And there's a lot of confusion um, at state and county levels about who comes first, who's going to distribute it. And obviously, the vaccines that need to be super cooled um, need to have those special freezers available. So there's really a lot of distribution challenges. Right. And I had read about that a, a few weeks back about those special freezers you're talking about. Are there enough of those right now if, if we ramp up production? Are there enough to then house the vaccine and keep it cold enough? I think there are. Um, it's just a matter of getting the system cranked up, geared up. And I think we're going the right direction. We are certainly seeing better distribution every week in pretty much every state. Um, here in Massachusetts, believe it or not, uh, we're actually last in New England uh, for percent vaccinated, which I'm not terribly proud of, but I'm hoping that we can move everybody closer to the front of the line. Right. Give us an idea on that political front and why is Massachusetts behind maybe some of the other states around you? What's the reasoning for that? It's actually really hard to know why any individual state is going faster or slower. Um, I, think, I think there was a lack of public health infrastructure pretty much in every state of the country. And so every state has kind of had to figure this out on the fly. Um, so I'm not exactly sure what the challenge has been in Massachusetts, even though I live here. I literally just got my first vaccine yesterday. Um, and not for lack of trying, because I personally see patients at our local hospice. I've been seeing patients and their families, um, and I couldn't get the vaccine myself until yesterday. So that shows you how challenging it's been. Give us an idea then of someone who's had the vaccine. What do you feel like today? Do you feel any, are there any side effects, anything going on right now with you? Uh, thanks for asking. I feel great today. I did not feel so great yesterday. Um, I almost never go to sleep during the day, but I literally had to crawl into bed yesterday for an hour. And then I, I felt better. I felt a little weird for a while, but um, today I feel fine. But there's a tremendous variation in the side effects that people get from the vaccine. But the take home point I would definitely want to give your listeners is that it is 95% effective and almost 100% safe. We have something like 29 serious side effects out of, I think, um, many, many millions of doses. So it's a very low percentage of serious side effects. There's a high percentage of mild side effects, but I would say that a sore arm or feeling tired is a really small price to pay for avoiding COVID-19 infection. For sure. Um in the past, we had heard about how long it would take to bring a vaccine to the public. Were you surprised at how quickly we were able to get several of these vaccines to the market? No, I wasn't surprised. I was delighted. But I'll tell you why I wasn't surprised. A lot of people don't realize that research on mRNA vaccines has been going on for probably 20 years. So there was a long windup to get this vaccine ready. So they didn't just start working on it yesterday. And the second reason I wasn't surprised is that when you run a vaccine trial, the trial goes faster or slower depending upon the prevalence of the disease. So in other words, the more prevalent the infection, and in this case with COVID-19, it's extremely pre prevalent, meaning it's all over the place, it doesn't take very many months to run a trial with 30,000 people. Whereas if you're looking at a more rare infection, 
it could take a couple of years to figure it out. Mm -hmm. That's been one of the incredible wins of this whole experience. One of the downsides has been something you mentioned about earlier is the infa infrastructure that we have in the United States in our healthcare system. Did that part of it surprise you? And what can we do when the next one of these viruses comes along uh, where we're, we have infrastructure in, better play, in a better place to address the, the health of our nation? Sure. So unfortunately, I wasn't surprised because I've seen the dismantling of public health infrastructure over the last 10, 20 years. Um, and hopefully we will learn some lessons, um, unfortunately, very painfully this time, that we need public health infrastructure so we can quickly understand the risk, distribute vaccine, keep track of what we're doing. Um, obviously, we'll talk a little, little bit about analytics upcoming, I know, but right. you know, you, public health, part of the function of public health is to gather the data to know who's been vaccinated, who hasn't. And in this case, people need two vaccines, so it's a little bit more complicated. Mm -hmm. We've been talking a lot about the manufacturing side, the distribution side. One of the other challenges that we're finding is in that building that trust with the public and in many cases, fighting disinformation. What do public health officials do to win that battle? Sure. I think we have to fight fiction with facts. We have to let science take the front of the stage. We need to model behavior. So we need our politicians, our leaders. I personally love it when celebrities, whether they're sports figures, uh, musicians, pop artists, roll your sleeve up, get the shot on TV, use social media, the more prominent people get the shot publicly, the better, that modeling. Um, and also, we know from research that people trust their personal doctor very much. So to the extent that doctors can get the message out to their patients that this vaccine is safe and effective, if I'm your doctor, I'm going to say, Daniel, I really want you to get this shot. If you have any questions or concerns, let me know what they are and let's address them so we can get the vaccine warriors down to the lowest level possible and get the acceptors up to the highest level possible. Mm -hmm. Now, I know at Arcadia, you guys are involved in COVID-19 vaccination education and engagement programs, and those are with healthcare organizations. Give us an idea of what that communication looks like. Right. So we work with a lot of our customers on what we call patient outreach. And what, what we've learned is that text outreach sending texts out to people's personal mobile phones is the best method of communication. It's not calling them on the phone. It's not sending them a letter. It's not doing a public service announcement. It's sending a text to their mobile phone. And for the customers that have allowed us to do that, we've been really effective. We've now sent north of 3 million text messages out to patients. And we find that the uptake is very high from patients. They appreciate it. We customize those messages so they're coming from the doctor's office. They're short, they're to the point, and they might be either education about COVID or if you're at risk, here are the things to know about, or when we're ready, here's where you can get a vaccine. Mm -hmm. Can you give us an idea of what maybe one of those text messages might sound like? Sure. It, it might say, hi, Daniel, this is Dr. Parker's office letting you know the vaccine is now ready at this website, 
log into this website for further details. So because text has to be really short, we send a very uh, snippy, quick message, often with a website uh, built in there. Um, Dr. Parker, are there any other problems or challenges that you're seeing out there that can help, um, you know, help with public safety and public health? Daniel, we've talked a lot about vaccines today, but I neglected to mention that it's more important than ever that people keep up with the social distancing, wear masks, do not go in inside spaces with other people who are not in your bubble, do not share air with people who are not in your bubble. Um, and because we've had such a aggressive um, run out of this infection in the United States, we can't just rely on the vaccine. We have to stay ever stronger with those basic public health measures to keep people protected until we hit that herd immunity level. Okay. So you had mentioned analytics earlier. What role do data and analytics play in making herd immunity a reality? Data and analytics are really vital to getting this job done correctly and quickly. If you think about it, without data, you, you just don't know where the pockets of low vaccination are. You really don't know how you're doing. You're, you're operating blind. So with good analytics in terms of COVID, we want to run the registries. We want to know who's gotten zero vaccine, one vaccine, two vaccine. And then we want to look at a geographic level and say which zip codes have low rates of vaccination and then up our game in those areas in terms of outreach. So this gets into issues of social equity. We want to make sure that groups that have traditionally have low vaccine rates, we make a bigger effort in those areas. So the data and analytics is absolutely vital to getting that job done correctly. What's the response been from uh, healthcare organizations? How have they inter interacted with you and what's that response been like? Uh, our customers, uh, accountable care organizations, larger healthcare organizations have been extremely um, appreciative and um, found it extremely useful to reach out to their populations in a inexpensive, quick, efficient way. If you think about it, we're not taking up their um, person power by having a, a raft of people on the phone. It's all automatic, it's all electronic. We can also stage it. So for example, if your ACO had 100,000 patients, we wouldn't send out 100,000 text messages tomorrow. We might do 20,000 this week, 20,000 the next week, so that the incoming calls, the return calls are not overwhelming. So we've learned how to stage this. We've also done it in multiple languages, which our customers really appreciate. Um, so we, we've been uh, very effective and we've been very satisfied with the response. Mm -hmm. You had mentioned earlier the important role that those primary care physicians can can play in education and engagement. Our audience is made up primarily of medical practice executives and leaders. We've got physicians on here, nurses. Um, what would you like to say to them about vaccines and, and the role that they can play in eradicating this virus? I think primary care is one of the pillars of the effort to get this job done correctly and quickly. Primary care, that's internal medicine, family practice, pediatrics, is interacting with the public. Um, it's the most direct, prominent interaction with the public, and we need our primary care infrastructure 
to have the tools that they need to get the job done. They need the vaccine, they need a distribution network, they need a communication strategy, and they need analytics to keep track of who's been vaccinated and who is still outstanding. Mm -hmm. Before we sign off, are there any final thoughts you'd like to share with our audience then about the vaccine and about vaccinations? Sure. When I was getting my vaccine yesterday and I looked at that syringe with the clear little bit of liquid in it, I thought this is really miraculous that this little bit of fluid is going to stick it in my arm and that's going to give my body the antibodies and the T cells that I need to avoid this potentially fatal infection. It's just a miracle of science and I hope that people will appreciate the incredible opportunity and how grateful I am that we can have this vaccine and I want everyone to be able to take advantage of it. That's I guess the last thing I would say is that remember that by getting the vaccine, you might be saving someone else's life in addition to your own. Dr. Parviker, that is great advice. Thank you so much for that. And thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Thank you, Daniel. It was a pleasure. That's going to do it for this episode of Insights. Thanks to our guest, Dr. Rich Parker. And thanks to Nuance and MGMA for sponsoring this week's show. Visit nuance.com slash DAX to sign up for a live stream demo and explore how DAX, Nuance's ambient clinical intelligence solution can transform your organization. And be sure to check out MGMA's new medical practice evaluation tool. It's a comprehensive web-based assessment built around MGMA's practice data and body of knowledge. Visit mgma.com slash M-P-E-T for more information. If you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. If you have topics you'd like us to cover or experts you'd like us to interview, email us at podcast at mgma.com or find me on Twitter at mgma.daniel. MGMA Insights is presented by Declan McGee, Rob Ketchum, and I'm Daniel Williams. Stay safe and thanks for listening. Hi, this is Declan McGee, one of the producers for the MGMA Insights podcast. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com membership. Thanks.